to that? How can we recognize the humanity in somebody else? And why has that become such a bad thing for me to say, you deserve to be treated like a human as well. Uh, and I can advocate for you. It's like, it's, um, it blows me away. But, um, you know, we all got to dig in. We all got to yeah. recognize what's going on. We got to have these courageous conversations and, and dig deep. And um, I think we can get to a better place. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful, Sana. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Foster Inclusion Podcast. And thank you so much for joining me. I'm your host, Saida Gomez-Fleury. In this episode, I have the privilege of interviewing Jonathan Logan of the Cowrie Initiative and Bank Black USA. Their mission is to promote financial advocacy in Black communities in the U.S. and build upon the work of past generations to level the playing field and close the racial wealth gap. Jonathan also shares why there's a need for Black banking services in the U.S., what it's like to be unbanked or underbanked in a developed country, and so much more. Of course, we discuss Bitcoin and how its accessibility helps to foster financial inclusion. On a very personal note, I'd like to thank Jonathan for his openness. He's gracious in allowing me, a non-American, to ask questions to better understand some of the dynamics that are unfolding in the U.S. As always, if you have questions or comments about this episode, please feel free to share them with me at Saida at fosterinclusion.com. Visit thecowrieinitiative.org, bankblackusa.org, and you can find Jonathan on Twitter at nagelnodge. Links in the show notes. Hey, welcome. Good morning. Uh, good afternoon by you. And thank you. Good morning for you. How are you? I'm blessed and highly favored. Thank you. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. That's uh, very American to say that uh, you're blessed. I like I only hear it from people actually in Canada, too, from people really? in Canada and the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I love speaking to people. That's why I really enjoyed about us first talking is that I get a connection to a different part of the world. And I think that, um, again, people who are traveled and lived in different parts of the world, you know, they get to see so many different things. So that's that's interesting to hear that that's yeah. somewhat of, uh, that that you mostly hear that from people in the U.S. and uh, in, in maybe Canada. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, for the listeners, can you give us a brief introduction? Sure, sure. So um, my name is Jonathan Logan. I am a uh, father of three, a 15-year-old daughter, a, let's see, a 12-year-old son and a seven-year-old daughter. I am a husband to one woman um, for about, uh, let me see, uh, 15 or so years, plus years. Um, I am, uh, by way of profession, I am, uh, I've got over 20 years of experience in the fire service here, uh, born and raised here in New York City. And um, yeah, that's been a blast, that profession. Um, but more so, I've been involved really with, um, I wouldn't say community activism. I, you know, there's something about having children that makes you want to kind of dive deeper and, and make things better. Uh, oh, yes. For, yeah. Right. And so I started getting involved in, um, you know, being more civically engaged back when my daughter was born. And it became very real that the only person that was going to make things better for my children was me. And so I had to really start digging deep, digging deep, 
participating in, in, in various different uh, outlets in the community. So I started getting involved with, with, with the community board, um, the school board, uh, formed block associations and just started getting into local government, understanding that a little bit better so that I could kind of leverage and, and, and make things better uh, right here locally where I am. So yeah, have become somewhat of a uh, community engaged person. I don't want to ever give myself any titles of being any type of leader, yeah. right? but um, I, understand. I, 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 I just want to be in the know. And so I had to start getting involved in different things. So that's a little bit about me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a blast. So that's a little bit about me and some of the yeah. things I've done. Yeah. That's uh, so for firefighters, do we say New York city's finest as well? Or is that, uh, uh, yeah, it would be, it would be considered probably, um, I think the, our, our tag is like the bravest, I believe. Oh, the bravest. There we go. Yeah. The- so yeah, that's, that's, um, that's, uh, like our, our, uh, our claim to fame there, but, um, you know, humbly, you know, we just do what we have to do and our, our training is what it is so that we could uh, provide the best service, customer service to the people here in the city of New York, people and property. So, yeah. And I think that that goes beyond your services as a firefighter, and it certainly goes into what you're doing now. So why Bank Black USA? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I can appreciate that. So Bank Black really is not something new, and it calls really upon what has already been done. It kind of built on a larger um, kind of Bank Black uh, movement that started back, um, I'd say, probably in the 60s, if not even before that. Um, Dr. King, when he was in, uh, I would say, Tennessee, uh, I'd say about April 3rd, 1968, he was helping out with some of the sanitation workers there. Um, And what he did was during his last speech or one of his last speeches, um, he called on the folks down there to remove their money, take their money out of the downtown bank and put it into the tri-state bank, which was a black owned bank at that time. And what that was, was a call to action to take people, help people understand the power of their consumer dollars and to move it into institutions that were more financially fit to serve them. Um, the very next day, April 4th, 1968, Dr. King was assassinated. And so, um, it's, it, it fast forward, you know, what we have done here. And again, um, back in July of 2016, there were a bunch of deadly police shootings in the black community and, uh, a couple of my, co- you know, our, you know, myself and the other co-founders, we kind of met very organically um, and through our, our, our mutual desire to kind of liberate the black community, we created the Cowrie Initiative, um, oh, and the, Cowrie okay. initi- you know, the Cow, the Cowrie Initiative of kind of like a play on words from kind of like the ancient, um, ancient kind of medium of exchange, like the Cowrie shells. Yes, yes, so, yes. Yeah. So Cowrie stands for cooperative wealth, reinvestment and empowerment. And under that umbrella falls Bank Black USA. And it's basically an independent type of activation. And our mission is to promote financial ag- uh, advocacy in black communities and build upon the work of past generations, which I just spoke of. And so we're just trying to get people to understand the financial fitness of the institutions in which they put their money into and yeah. become more financially literate, be more conservative with their money and understand the power of their consumer dollar. And um, yeah, and, and, and how, how, how best that they could leverage their, their, their money to buy assets um, and then uh, better position them to create generational wealth. Because there's a huge wealth gap here yeah. in 
in, in the U.S. And that is, it's really something that uh, people need to be aware of, I, I would say. And that's what, that's what we're doing. Our goal is to put all that information, again, we're not speaking about anything new, but to package that, um, put it in a uh, very digestible format for people to understand all in one place. We're not here to be a, um, a kind of a rubber stamp for black owned yeah, banks in, in financial institutions. You know, we're not here to be a marketing piece or a marketing arm or an advertising arm, but we're here to uh, get people to understand and put it in one digestible uh, place and to inform them so they can make better decisions. And, that, and that's really, that's really the catalyst for, for what we do. So from um, the, like an outsider perspective, outsider in the sense that though I've visited the U.S. a few times, I'm not American um, and I've read about dynamics, but I've never lived them. Mm -hmm. So yeah. how would you explain to me the need for banking black services as opposed to services for everyone? Yeah, that, that is a great question because people are going to say right away, Oh, why, why has it got to be bank black? You know, um, why can't it be something else? Why can't it just be for people who are, you know, hard up on money or who have a problem who are, who are low income? And so the way how I answer that is, is this. I, I, I say, look at all the financial institutions that may be local uh, to where you live here in the U.S. And, you know, although we don't call them particularly white banks, you know, yeah. we look at the, the, the demographic in which they serve specifically. And so understanding that you still don't have to classify it as a white bank, but you have to classify it as who are these banks uh, uh, look to serve. And so um, once you maybe step back and then you could say, okay, I could get that. But e e even further, um, the federal government has established things like MDIs, minority depository in institutions and CDFIs and, uh, or community development financial institutions to help better serve uh, low-income uh, uh, groups of individuals um, or, or communities. And they, they, they recognize that for a long time, for so many, um, people have been excluded from this economy. They've been kind of left out. And so that's very important. I mean, contrary to popular belief, all things are not created equal. And yeah. so- uh, Even though they should be, and we would like them to be, yeah. they simply are not. Can you say that again slowly? M-D-S-I's? Yeah, so 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 we're gonna go with uh, MDI and or a, MDI. Yeah, yeah, and MDI is a uh, minority depository institution, and wow. a C, and a CDFI is a community development financial institution, and these are both kind of like funds, uh, rather certifications that uh, institutions can can get, and so uh, with that then comes funds from the Fed that will um, be geared to and kind of tailored to serve. Um, certain groups and, and it's, it's, it's important. Also, there's a, what we call the C, CRA, the Community Reinvestment Act of uh, 1977. And what that purpose is really, it's to, the purpose of it is like, kind of like a report card. And yeah. so these institutions, what, what, what happens is they have an obligation to the communities, the local communities in which they, in, in which they serve. So if you're, uh, you know, living in, in, in a part of uh, wherever you're at, the actual the banks there have a responsibility to give loans to help people buy uh, uh, homes to help people start businesses and what happens is often a lot of these larger banks or uh, what happens is they do not meet their CD, uh, their CRA obligation to the communities in, in which they serve so it's like 
they have a failing report card, if you will. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So historically, and, and this is a lot of the data that you can find on our website, um, banklikeusa.org. Um, you can find that we're, we're putting all this information in, in one place so that people can understand that historically, um, Black banks have served uh, uh, its people better. It's served the people who are who are struggling in ways that have been identified better than these other banks and or okay. other financial in, in institutions. So that's that's critical to understand because um, what does that practically look like when we talk about um, why why do people need uh, certain access? And I mean, if you just drive through certain neighborhoods, what's going to happen is you're going to cross the tracks, if you will, and then you're going to notice yeah. that there's, there's banking deserts. There are people that are underbanked or uh, not banked at all. And what you're going to find in those places, you're going to find uh, payday lenders. Um, yeah. You're going to find a lot of pawn shops. Um, you're going to find on every block, probably you're going to find um, a storefront church. You're going to find a liquor store, yeah. you're find a Chinese food restaurant, and, and, and you're going to find probably um, uh, like a bodega, uh, you know, at, at the corner, you know, and, but you're not going to find any banks. You're going to find Western unions. You're going to find a lot of that. Yeah. And um, that, that is, in a lot of ways, it's not it's not helping people who are already hard up and have been economically excluded. And so just by virtue of them, of black banks even existing, um, tells a story. And that story yeah. has been left out of of, of mainstream uh, education. So that's a that's a little uh, kind of profile as to the needs. Yeah, it's um, as you say that it takes me back to when I was about 16 years old. I used to play a lot of basketball and uh we nice. had a tournament. Yeah, I've got the fingers to prove it, like broken, jammed up fingers. <laughs> you got a little jump shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I was a, like a number two guard. I was a, I had a pretty good shot. You got to brag, huh? You got to brag. Okay. <laughs> no, it was okay. It was okay. <laughs> okay. But um, during, I think we were in like DC or something for a tournament. Yeah. And um, our basketball coach, we were driving through a few neighborhoods and he was like, um, what do you guys notice? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Because I mean, I wasn't necessarily on that. You know, on like, that wavelength. On that wavelength, you know? Yeah. And he said, do you notice any liquor stores in this neighborhood? Yes. Like hair salons? Yes. Um, uh, like check cashing places? Yes. Right. And then we drove through other neighborhoods and we didn't see those things. And he was like, what does this mean? Like, what does this tell you? He just asked questions to provoke thought, not to draw any conclusions, but just to start thinking. And since then, I've been to the U.S. like quite a few times. And I've noticed that that seems to be a consistent pattern. Yeah, it, it really is. And so what does that translate to? How do these things happen? There's a book written by Mr. Richard Rothstein called The Color of Law. And it explains the history and the legacy effects of redlining. And yeah. that's, it's very important to understand these things. And, you know, every book, everything you read, um, you know, I teach my children and I often admonish others to um, ask a lot of questions. Yeah. And then when you get your answers to your questions, question your answers and be a critical thinker to dive in, to be an independent thinker and, and kind of get to a point where you could hear both sides of the story. Yeah. Uh, t- take a look back. Uh, do diligent research and then formulate your own ideas based upon everything that you see, based upon your own logic and based upon your own perceptions as to what's really out there. So that, you know, um, you know, your, your, your coach was giving you a lesson of, of, of practicality as to what is 
as they say, what is what it is. And so, um, you know, this is all predatory to uh, people who are already at a financial disadvantage. And so CDFIs, they could be banks, they could be credit unions, loan funds, uh, micro uh, loan funds, venture capital providers, and they've helped families finance first homes, supporting community residents and starting businesses. But um, in order for a community to really kind of thrive economically, it, it requires access to basic financial services, okay? Yeah. Uh, affordable credit, invest, investment capital, but historically, um, it, it just hasn't been for low-income low communities and individuals. So, and that access, of course, has been limited. And uh, we have to really start understanding what are the legacy effects of that. We have to dig deeper and uh, to really understand history, to find out how we got to where we're at. Uh, and we yeah. don't repeat those histories. And then yeah. to how can we move forward? You know, I, I like to say disinfectant is, is uh, sunlight is the best disinfectant. And so that's what we try to do with uh, the Cowrie Initiative, yeah. working with different uh, organizations, but um, also with Bank Black USA in particular, what we're trying to do is work with um, uh, colleges uh, and universities and scholars alike to uh, build resources and tools, uh, interactive maps, if you will, if you go to the dashboard on our, um, on our website and you could see kind of where things are and where they're laying out and where kind of like these inequities lie, uh, but not in, a, in an effort to to have people remain in the past, but in an yeah. effort to do better, you know, yep. once yep. people know better, they do better. So yep, that's what exactly. Yep. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Moving forward. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's, um, I'm so glad we're doing this, uh, this episode now. I find it very timely because um, I'm just going to read here. Um, I, I guess Biden recently spoke on uh, the study of digital dollars and cryptocurrency. And right. in a press release from Reuters, Reuters or Reuters, whatever, Reuters. Yeah, it's, it's Reuters. 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 Tomato, um, tomato. <laughs> tomato, tomato. That I read, it said that um, 5% of poor Americans do not have bank accounts. Mm-hmm. 5% of poor yeah. Americans do not have bank accounts. And I thought like, for anyone on the outside looking in, how is it possible that such a developed nation with the world's reserve currency could exactly. have people who are unbanked? Yeah, this is, this is um, I love talking about this. And I'm glad you bring it up, um, Sida, because it's, that is a wow, right? People are going to step back at that and say, oh, America leads in everything. The U- U.S. leads in everything. They leads, we got the world reserve, the USD is the, the world reserve currency. You know, how could this be that people are, are, are either not banked or underbanked? And uh, why don't people just get off their behind, get a yeah. job and, and, and work and, harder and work, and work harder? Right. And yeah. so um, I, I never like to come to the conversation with just uh, bleeding heart emotion. Uh, you know, a lot of what we do at the Cowrie Initiative um, and through uh, this this initiative, Bank Black USA, is come with facts and data. OK, hard data. Yeah. And so the, 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 the facts are, that, like how you said, some of those stats there, that there are many folks that are not banks. And why are they not banks? Is it just because they don't want to work and they have no bank account? They're, they're not working, have no money? No. Um, there's many uh, times where people become unbanked or not banked due to uh, medical conditions, you know, yeah. due to homelessness. And um, it, it's it's just a, a way, it's an economic downturn. Um, but people who have traditionally have, access to finance and, and, and lending, they're able to do things like buy single family homes. And yeah. uh, that single family home is, has been, a tra- and we all know it's, it's been uh, historically, 
it's been a, uh, a means to uh, establish generational wealth. So um, people who were able to uh, secure a federally insured home loan were, were, were able to buy a single family home. Um, that home uh, yeah. increases in value. They have equity. Uh, yeah. They can borrow against that equity to send their kids to school, to um, do all type of things, to uh, hedge against economic downturns, or just simply bequeath that wealth to their, uh, you know, to their children in their in their future generations. Um, there have been other groups, um, Africans, Africans, descendants of slaves, who um, have not had that same opportunity. They've been excluded uh, by design. It's been engineered th this way. Um, for this to take place. Now we have to go uh, get all type of high interest loans by, by which, yeah, uh, they would never be able to establish that type of equity in their home, uh, never probably even owning their home over a course of 30, 40, 50 years. And so that is really, what are the legacy effects of that is what I'm saying. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I'm willing to come to the table and debate with anyone who has done their research. Cause like Dr. John Henrik Clark would say, um, I'm, I'm only going to debate with my equals and everyone else I'm going to teach. So um, I, I, I'm willing to come to anyone's table who has done their research and to uh, intellectually, respectfully debate on the issue of yeah. the history, what has been done and, and play on what are the legacy effects on that and to talk about what the legacy effects of that so that we can get to this equal playing field, this equal opportunity that we put out there. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a real thing. So uh, it's it's important. Um, you know, if you could, I want to jump and, 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 and give a quote here real quick. I think it's, it's a perfect yeah. segue. Um, 1969, James Baldwin and Paul Weiss were debating about discrimination on the uh, Dick Cavett show. And James Baldwin says this, he says, I don't know what most white people feel this country feel, but I can only include what they feel from the state of their institutions. I don't know what white Christians, I don't know that white Christians hate black people or not. But I know we have a Christian church, which is white, and a Christian church, which is black. I know, as Malcolm X once put it, the most segregated hour in American life is high noon on Sunday. So it says a great deal to me about a Christian nation. It means I can't afford to trust most white Christians, and I certainly cannot trust the Christian church. I don't know whether the labor unions and their bosses really hate me. That doesn't matter, but I know I'm not in their unions. I don't know if the real estate lobby has anything against black people, but I know the real estate lobbies keep me in the ghetto. I don't know if the Board of Education hates black people, but I know the textbooks they give my children to read and the schools that we have to go to. Now, this is the evidence. You want me to make an act of faith risking myself, my life, my woman, my children on some idealism, which you assure me exists in America, which I have never seen. And so again, that's a quote from James Baldwin from, yeah, wow. that's powerful. Yeah, it's real yeah. powerful. So, and, and again, I, I say that I thought it was pretty timely as we got into our conversation that there's this idealism that exists that everything is yeah. equal opportunity. But where's, where's the evidence of that? You want me to base my actions based upon something that I've never seen proof of. And so um, that said in 1969, that could have been said yesterday. And it still would have been quite applicable here in, in the U.S. And again, anyone who would like to debate me on that or come to a respectful uh, um, uh, uh, playing field and, and talk about that, I, I'd be willing to go in uh, quite hard on 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 that uh, on, on that subject matter. So, um, yeah, just, want, just wanted to point that out as a point of reference and, and just to provide context. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, like, what is it like? 
tangibly, like how do you operationalize? What is it like to be unbanked living in the US? What does your day, week, month, year look like? Do you go from paycheck to paycheck? Do you, how, do, how does that look? Yeah, so practically speaking, people who are unbanked or underbanked, um, and again, it's not a problem just here in the U.S. It's all around the world. Yeah, people are are unbanked, um, excluded from their nation state's uh, economic system. Well, what it looks like is um, you have a, you, you develop a group of people who become dependent on on government in in many ways. Uh, yet the narrative is we want to get people not dependent, but yeah. yet we have to create an economic system that allows inclusion. And, uh, you know, inclusion is a very powerful thing. And, uh, you know, just real quick, um, uh, Saida, you know, you know, what you're doing with Forster Inclusion uh, is really amazing. And I really appreciate oh, you. Thank uh, you. <laughs> what you're doing in the space, uh, your work. And um, I, I can really appreciate it because it's, it's necessary. And, and as, as you put it, inclusion is what allows organizations to benefit from diverse mix of individuals. Yeah. But inclusion also allows indiv individuals to maintain a sense of uniqueness. Yeah. Uh, experiencing belonging to their group. And so uh, an organization that moves from diversity to inclusion performs better. And so if we would move as a nation from yeah. diversity into inclusivity, which is a completely different thing, I think yeah. we would operate better. And I think that speaks to what you just said, like, what is it like to operate? What does it practically look like to not be inclusive in our economic systems? Well, we have, well, here it is. You know, the proof is in the pudding. We're sitting right smack dab in the middle of it. Um, and, and you have these extreme polarizations of, of, of generational wealth, uh, extreme polarizations of, of net worth and families. And so, you know, uh, this is what it is. And if you go to our website and Bank Black USA, I'm not, um, uh, I'm trying to get people to, I can't give, give it all away here. You know, people yeah, have to do their research, you know, yeah, people have to just don't uh, go to our, our website. People have to be willing to understand this thing, not just sit in their little silos in their echo chambers and say, oh, well, I was taught to work hard and my ancestors come here from wherever and they worked hard. Um, yeah. And so what does it look like to answer your question? It looks like exactly what we have here today. We have extreme polarizations, extreme wealth gaps between yeah. uh, different uh, demographics. And, and it's, not due, due, it's not due contrary to popular belief or mainstream media. It's not due to people not willing to work hard. It's, it's not all of that. Are there some people who are completely disenfranchised and have succumbed to uh, just being fed by the government? Absolutely, I would say. And so I'm not... I'm not sitting here um, trying to be devoid of, of, of that reality. Yeah. Um, if, if we really want to figure out why this exists, then we would really dig deep into our legacy, our dirty laundry, uh, yeah. come to admit that and, and, really, and really do better. But really, uh, the signs say that we're not willing to do that. And so, um, you know, we got to do better. I, I got plenty of solutions. I love our, our conversations to be solution-based. And yep. so that's another part of our, our, our uh, what we do at Bank Black USA. Um, the call to action is to move your money out of the bank. And the call to action we see uh, during um, deadly police shootings in the black community, we always see an uptick on our website back in, the, in the back metrics of people oh, wow. wanting, of coming to our website, looking for something to do. And just like Dr. King was like, move your money out of the downtown bank that bank that's not supporting you, that bank that's not giving you a loans, that bank that won't even let you come in. 
right? Move your money into a Black-owned bank that's going to serve you. That's a call to action. And so what we also do is we help people who want to do better, who know better. We help them transition from just being angry and taking to Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and getting yeah. into Twitter wars. We help them do something real substantial so that they can move forward and, and move the needle on, 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 on what's going on. And that's, that's a very powerful thing to move from just talking about it to doing something. And that's yeah. what we're about. We're about action. We're about providing people stats, data, hardcore facts, and then leading them down that road to what they can do to, um, um, to lean in and create the change that they want to see in the world. And that's, yeah. uh, that's what resources. I'm helping on. Do. Right. Correct. Resources and tools. I don't know if you've seen Ray Dalio. He um, just came out with a new book, something about um, how to deal with the, the change in the new world order, something along those lines. I'm misquoting the title. Mm-hmm. But he also released a video on YouTube, which to me is quite powerful because um, he, he describes the economic cycles of empires. He looks at the British, uh, the Dutch, the Americans right now, mm-hmm. um, outwardly, the, the battles they face in terms of maintaining uh, hegemony, and mm-hmm. then internally, some of the, the things that happen um, throughout the cycle. And so during a cycle of growth, uh, he speaks about the fact that education is very important, yes. um, keeping an open mind. Uh, Mm -hmm. And looking at the best thoughts is very important. And conversely, uh, when um, an empire is on the downward trend of uh, its hegemony, the wealth gap increases significantly. Mm -hmm. There are increasing conflicts between um, the rich, the top 10%, and the poor, the bottom 90%. And within the bottom 90%, there are increasing tensions based on uh, race, religion, um, ideology, left, right, like you name it, it increases. And I think it's fascinating that he should release that at this particular moment in time, because we know what's happening externally. We know that China seems to be on the rise. And we also know that internally, not just in the US, but in um, many countries, many Western countries, there seems to be this rise in populism. Yes. And there seems to be more outward aggression towards other. Your other could be, it's based on who you are, of course, but there is more aggression towards others. So it's, I find what's happening right now is very, very interesting. It is. What, what, so, so what I'm hearing you're saying is like, what is this signaling to? And and what is it signaling to? Um, And, and, and I love this, this data that you provide because I just love data um, because it gets us away from our anecdotes. It gets, it gets us away from ourselves and allows us to step back and see what's really going on. And a lot of times, sometimes these things could be, I don't want to say plagiarized. They could be uh, manipulated in certain ways based upon whatever the outlets, um, I say, uh, partisan agenda is. But yeah. a lot of times we have to, like I said, we got to do our research. We got to be diligent. Um, but I, I just love what you just said, because it, it, it's signaling towards exactly what's going on here uh, in, in the U.S. And again, um, it, it's not all good. Um, and But how do we do better? And I think once we allow people to be included um, in the economic systems that exist, you know, these, these gaps will, these gaps will tighten up. These gaps will, will close. I mean, we still have extreme, um, I don't want to say discrimination. Uh, I want to get away from these, these words, uh, because, yeah. um, it, 
let's just say you go to get your house, your home appraised. Still to today in the U.S., we have uh, extreme um, inequity in how homes are, are appraised based upon who's living there and in what neighborhoods, even though we have comparable properties. Um, yeah. They're, they're still going to appraise differently. And so th- th- this really blows my mind. Um, uh, so how, how do we do better is, is, is really what we're getting at. And so we have to really know our history. We have to yeah. understand this and let people be included in the economic uh, system so they could, um, so that they could do better. And the, 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 the fact of the matter is, is that people have been excluded and, um, it's, it's caused us to be into this, into this kind of, uh, this slope that we're in, but I yeah. think people are getting aware. I, I think through technology, through, through, uh, that we have access to people are being, uh, becoming more aware of, of what's going on. So I, I think I'm, I'm particularly optimistic. I think, uh, in this world that we're heading into of, of um, finance that's in, in technology as it crashes violently into this intersection, I think people are becoming way more aware. I'm concerned, though, because people, um, you know, they're, they're having access to all type of uh, uh, digital technology. And uh, you mentioned uh, digital currency a little bit uh, earlier. And uh, it, people who are not uh, financially literate um, and who have never had really access um, they're going to, it's going to get a lot worse for those groups before it gets better. Um, and so, yeah. you know, I, I had the privilege of speaking with a gentleman by the name of uh, Ovik Roy, and uh, he is the president of an organization um, called FreeOp, the Foundation for Research on Equal Opportunity. And uh, man, what a brilliant mind this gentleman is in that he understands as we got into some of our com- economic conversations that if we focus, and I don't want to frame him as being some type of bleeding heart liberal. I don't want to do that. I don't want to put words in his mouth. Yeah. But he, he speaks, he's worked on a couple of presidential uh, campaigns and in this think tank in, in that he, um, uh, that, that he manages, if you will, he, he understands that when the political, he, he understands that if we look to uplift the least of these, as I like to put it, yeah, um, we have a strengthening of the economic system. Um, and uh, I don't, again, I don't want to speak for him, but he's just a brilliant, brilliant mind. And, um, you know, I get encouraged speaking to people like you uh, and, and people like him when, um, you know, we're just trying to hash this out. And uh, yeah. I know what people are listening to you, people are listening to people who are, are really diving deep and, and trying to get people to understand what's going on a little bit better. So, um, so yeah, so it's when we, Focus, not focus rather, but when we look at the least of these, the people who are struggling paycheck to paycheck, when we economically include yeah. them and give them access um, whereby they haven't had access, uh, things get better. And you don't have to believe yeah. me. Uh, you know, I always say, don't trust, verify. You know, go yeah. to the data. You know, you know where I'm leading into. Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, it's I'm the perfect said, perfect segue. Don't yeah. trust, verify. Yeah. So yeah. how does Bitcoin help? Yay. One of my favorite topics. <laughs> um, Bitcoin is, is, is a beautiful technology. And for many, like myself, it starts off as a, a real curiosity about this strange internet technology, this strange internet money, this goofy kind of nerdy cypher yeah. uh, birthed type of thing. And But Bitcoin, very quickly, it rolls and snowballs into an economic conversation. Oh, totally. Um, right? It, it, it rolls quickly into an understanding of, of money, of, um, of, of monetary policy, and it, it becomes a, a real education. 
And so um, it, it really is necessary to understand money. And a lot of us are not, are not taught to understand money. You know, we yeah. think we do, but we do not. Uh, the fact of the matter is, from my perspective, I don't want to speak for anyone, is that all of us have a, a relationship with money, but we do not understand it. Yeah. Uh, whether it be good, bad, or dif- different, uh, we do have a relationship with, yeah. with money, whether we're chasing it, trying to always trying to raise our income, or whether we uh, have a lot of it and don't know how to invest it um, so that we can create uh, what we want to see um, with it. Because money is not uh, contrary to what many people think uh, and what many people have made. Um, money is not to be saved. And, and sa- it, it's like money has become like a, a money saving has become like somewhat of a religion. And it's money is is merely meant to be used to get at something. And so yeah. what I found is that uh, people who tend to be on the lower uh, spectrum um, tend to want to increase their income. But w- wealthy people or people who understand money a little bit better, they look to uh, obtain more assets. And so assets appreciate. Um, you could borrow against these assets to then acquire more assets and uh, hopefully more scarce assets. Um, uh, and so that better positions them over time. And so that in order, in, in order to understand it, you have to understand how money works, understand yeah. how central the legacy banking system works. And I'm not uh, an expert on this by, by any means. I'm not a banker, uh, by trade or anything, but fortunately I've been connected in and tied in with some folks who are, you know, who understand money very well. And often, um, because of exclusion, uh, structurally engineered exclusion from the economic system, people have been left out. So Bitcoin helps in that it levels the playing field. Um, yes. It allows- um, Can you say that again, of, please? Uh, it, level, it, it absolutely levels the playing field. It yep. steadies the goalpost. Um, and and I, say, I say that in t- very intentionally with my language. I say steadying of the goalpost because the goalpost is frequently moved. It's yep. moved uh, all the time. Um, and so the government has opportunities to say, you know what, we're going to print more money to fund our agency to no yep. end. Yeah. And that is that is very important to understand and how that affects inflation. And when the government needs to uh, hand out more money, um, often the people who are most credit worthy, they get access to those funds first. Uh, uh, big companies, um, hedge funds, they get access to that money first. They buy up all the assets, inflating it. And then by the time it trickles down to less credit worthy people, people like myself and, and, and others, yeah. you know, uh, everything is homes and that are already 10, 15 up, you know, X up, you know, it, it's already inflated. So um, not only is that debasing the currency, making it less valuable, it's making it very, it's making it more difficult to acquire assets for people who do have the means, who are working hard, you know, who are so, saving for their down payment. Like, uh, let's say you need 10% down right. today in a few years, a home that's, let's say was, I don't know, 100K. Yeah turns out to be 250K. By the time right. you save the 10% for your 100K home, That's it's right. too late. It's too late. The goalpost has shifted, like you said. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a real, so like I said before, a lot of us have a relationship with money, but we don't, we're not understanding why we're continually chasing, chasing this money. Why, why can I pay off my student loan debt? Why cannot I afford these things? Um, I'm being conservative. Yeah, it seems as if I'm in this rat race, you know, yeah. um, a lot has to do with financial literacy, understanding yeah. what's coming in, what's going out um, and establishing and understanding your cash flow for the month um, and then being able to operate within that and live within your means. A lot of it has to do with that. But that's, you know, that's a financial literacy uh, conversation. Yeah. 
But back to Bitcoin, um, Bitcoin allows people to acquire. Uh, so it serves kind of two purposes as, as I see it. And this is um, it serves many purposes. Bitcoin is a tool. Um, but um, Bitcoin, number one, is it's it's open. It's an open monetary network. Anyone can use it. It's permissionless. And so that's wonderful. It's completely decentralized. There's no one single point of failure in that no one is telling you can or cannot have access to it. You don't even need the internet. You can access to the satellites now. Um, that's the yeah. first question I get sometimes when people talk about, well, what if they shut down the internet? Yeah. You can use the satellites. You know, there's, it cannot be stopped. It's decentralized. It's permissionless. Okay. And the, the, the money, uh, the Bitcoin, little b, um, anyone can have it. Anyone can transact with it. It doesn't care who you are. It knows no barriers, no race, yeah. no demographic, anything. And so uh, how does this make it better? It makes it better in places like El Zante, El Salvador, where the president there, uh, Bukele, has made it uh, legal tender. And so yeah. what does that mean for a completely unbanked population? What does that mean for a nation state that now uh, has legal tender that anyone can participate in the economic system. That is tremendously, and I'm, you know, uh, I'm, I get excited about talking about, about this because to, to go from having people who cannot enter in to economy to them being empowered to not only be able to transact with uh, uh, money that is, uh, that is permissionless to be used as a medium of exchange, they can also have a store of value. It could serve two purposes. And so yeah. to have a store of value now, you may not be able to own property, uh, real estate, land, but then you could own digital energy, if you will, that serves yep. another purpose as property that no one can touch. If you had the opportunity to buy prime real estate in downtown Manhattan in the 1920s, uh, that would be truly valuable. You would hold on to that. It would be a store of value yep. for, that, uh, for you. Uh, yet you would have to pay taxes on that. You would have to pay maintenance and the government could probably seize it from you if they imminent domain, which, by the way, has been done plenty of times to uh, Africans and descendants of slaves, by the way, in which by because of lack of resources to count legal counsel, um, property that's been owned by people who are working hard, their property yeah. was ripped and stripped from them. So that's important to understand. OK, mm -hmm. that's in Manhattan Beach in California. That that, that has happened where finally uh, the governor and some of the uh, uh, local uh, legislators there realized that and had to give back these, uh, these, these Africans, these descendants of slaves, their family, they had to give them back their property because it was so blatant. And a lot wow. of times, the only times people react and do right is when you know, they're getting mud thrown on them. And so we have to really understand what has really gone on. But back to Bitcoin, you know, uh, uh, to empower people with the, uh, an open monetary network uh, whereby anyone can participate is, is, is truly amazing. And um, you know, people need to really understand it for what purpose it serves. And of course you get people all thinking it's, it's for criminals and all type of, yeah. you get the FUD, you know, you get the energy FUD, which I love to bust. I love to do energy FUD busting, by the way, it's one of my favorite topics to talk about, but it's a, it's a legitimate concern. So, um, yeah. I just think. And with the energy FUD, it's like, um, I think I'm kind of not bored, but like, I've heard so much of it. And I mean, there's so many examples if you care to look to yeah. disprove a lot of the energy FUD. I used to work in uh, the oil and gas industry. Mm. And as soon as I learned that 
with flared gas, you can actually use that to mine Bitcoin. It just clicked. It was like, oh, yeah. okay, of course, like it makes sense. And then you see statistics on, on energy consumption for like Christmas lights or washing machines or so many, like the banking system, war, right. so yeah. many other things. And it's like, what would you rather have? Yeah. So you have to understand what's going on here is the people in the government here, at least in the US, they have to, and probably other places, other nations, the, the people who are are in power or who are uh, elected to be in these positions, they have to they have a fine line in the walk. They have to figure out yeah. whether or not they are going to protect the interests of the nation or protect the interests of the people in the nation. And that's a fine line. And so yeah. um, Bitcoiners and people who uh, want to be completely self-sovereign and free, they tend to be they tend to care about what's their individualism. Right. What could better serve me? And I think that's very powerful because everyone wants to be empowered. But again, the people who are, are elected, uh, the people who are, uh, you know, uh, in, in power, if you will, as we like to say, they have an obligation also, or maybe they have um, allegiance to whatever power structures are keeping them there. Because let's be honest, yeah. they have tremendous influence and power. They're being lobbied uh, by multi-million, billion-dollar companies. And so they're living a life that they probably don't want to give up uh, in, a, in, a, in a world that has been working for them for so long uh, and working for their families for so long. So why would you want to yeah. empower people that would jeopardize? You know, power rarely wants to concede power. And so without making yeah. this a, a power struggle conversation, let's stick to do we want uh, people to thrive? Do we want humanity yeah. to thrive? And so yeah. I'm concerned. I'm a huge nature conservatist. You know, I own large uh, tracts of land and I don't like when the arborist comes by and says, uh, hey, Mr. Logan, we have to uh, trim these trees back because the power lines here, we don't want this 60 foot tree to fall on these power lines. You know, it hurts me that they're going to chop these land down. So uh, chop these trees down. So I, I'm one that's very concerned with with power and, and uh, I'm rather with with energy consumption as yeah. well in nature. I'm concerned with that. I'm concerned with global uh, this climate. But the way how it's framed and in, in what we're getting at. It yeah. is really off the point. And as we know, those of us who do our research, uh, do our research, um, Bitcoin and its mining um, it could do very well for the environment. And I would yeah. argue to say better than what we're doing now. So, you know, I always say, let's let's talk about it. You know, yeah, let's, totally. Let's and I would say, like, um, as opposed to individualism, I would say individuation, which is like self-actualization. So I find that people who are very much into Bitcoin, uh, irrespective of background, are very much into realizing their full potential, Yes, which means not necessarily going around, going along with uh, the crowd, even yeah. though sometimes on Twitter, I guess you can detect an echo chamber. But mm -hmm. outside of Twitter, it is really about self-development and individuation so that you become your best self. Yes. And as a result, you can make better contributions to your community. Yes. I, uh, I mean, I, I can't say any better than what you just said. Um, it, it, when you are able to empower yourself, when you have the ability to support yourself, you could be your best self. Yeah. And why wouldn't we want to do that for all humanity? Why yeah. wouldn't we want to do that? If someone could please explain that to me, you know, I, I, I'll look at it and look you in the face, have that courageous conversation. And then, and then, you know, we could, we could go there, but it's, it's, it's um, I think we're, we're dealing with more than just the, you know, cause I think most people have come from a, like a egalitarian type of thought where they, 
you know, they, they believe in equality. They, they you know, they, I think I, I would like to think, and people say, Jonathan, you live, look at life through rose colored glasses. Yeah, I get the same um, thing. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I, I get, you know, I gotta be pragmatic yet. I gotta be hopelessly hopeful in that what are we going to do fall up in a ball and die you know no we have to work for good you know and we have to treat people with 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 love and respect and um i know everyone i know what you want i know you want uh safe passage for you your husband and your child right i know you want to get from school to work uh safely i know you want good education for your kids i know you want access to to healthy food and clean water for for your kids i know you want those things i don't care what you look like or where you come from. Um, and, and I, I want to be able to have the self-respect of going out there and producing something and, and being able to uh, be a, a participant in an economy. We all want to do that. And history yeah. shows that, uh, uh, you know, ancient civilizations do have that. But again, once we uncover, um, I think what I'm trying to do is somewhat, and what my organization is, is trying to do is be somewhat of an archaeologist, and yeah. uncover what has been uh, for so long. Uh, and yet once we uncover it, once we shed light on it, you know, we do better. And so um, if we can all be archaeologists, if you will, and uncover this thing, study it, uncover it, and then we can say, oh man, this is amazing. Uh, this is a wow moment for me. Uh, I think we would be in a better place. Uh, I, uh, that's just the way I operate. But I know uh, no matter where you come from, what you look like, um, I know that you want the same things that I want uh, yeah. very, on, on, a, on a very fundamental basis. So definitely. Um, yeah, for sure. What has the community's response been so far? And I'd like to add to my question. Um, sure. So again, it's been, I think the last time I was in the US was in 2017. I should be, I'll be in Miami for like a day or two um, oh, on our way to, um, to El Salvador. I can't wait, but oh, um, I'm hating but, on you right now. So, yeah. so <laughs> but my observations are limited to media of mm. what's going on in the U S yeah. and I see a lot of reality television. I see certain like videos that seem to promote a high time preference lifestyle. I have no idea if this actually represents people like ordinary people, or if this is like a reality. So with that in mind, what has, or how has the community responded to your project? Yeah, you've, you've, um, well, particularly our project, as far as Bank Like USA uh, in the CARI initiative, we've been working. So I'll speak to how uh, the work that we've been doing with the organization and how the responses we've got from that. And then I'll talk to um, what I believe uh, people, how people are responding to this new internet uh, money, this new technology. I'll respond to that very locally because in order to do that, you really have to start meeting people. You really have yeah. to start talking to people. <clears throat> it can't be done through these, uh, th- this virtual world. You have to get out there. And, and so I've, I've begun to do that. Um, so let me speak to that just real quick. Now go into what my organization has done. I think people are very curious. Um, I think people are, uh, are have, because of the cell phone, because of um, the internet technology age, people are um, have access to things that they never had access before. Um, decentralized finance has opened up a, a whole world uh, for people. But I think we're. I think people are missing the education. Yeah. And a lot of times people are using 
Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in the same breath in the same space in which they do not belong. In my I know. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, we're, so we carry that same bias. I agree with you 100%. They're two separate yeah. things. They're two separate things. And I, I think um, it's a shame, but I think education is the great separator. And once you get that education, uh, you can go forward. Unfortunately, lack of education for certain groups is not as detrimental um, as it is to others who already have the wealth. And so you get a bunch of people who are playing around with cryptocurrencies, trying to make some fiat you know, they're going to wind up wrecked and rug pulled and holding an empty bag. And so um, that's going to be way more detrimental, way more critical to certain groups than others because of this engineered uh, wealth gap that we've um, know quite a lot about. We understand what's going on, yet we're not willing to do much about it, in my opinion. Okay, Um, but I'm uh, I'm trying to do my best. So that's kind of been the response that I've seen is that people are very curious. People are getting out there. Everyone's got these these uh, platforms, uh, exchanges on their on their phones that they're playing and basically gambling with at a very high level um, because gambling is is a problem. And, uh, you know, people are trying to make money. Everyone is trying to get to that point where they could better position themselves. And a lot of these projects, as I call them, um, are not out there. And I'm not saying all alternative coins and projects are, are bad or they're scams. Um, many uh, Bitcoin maximalists, as we call them, may assert that, but I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist. I'm a freedom maximalist. Yeah, so be- that's and something be- that uh, I'm understanding more and more. Yeah, pe- people, you know, people could do whatever they want to do. I'm a, I'm yeah. a freedom uh, maximalist. Bitcoin is a tool. And these things are tools, but education is the key. And once yeah. people know better, they do better. So yeah, yeah, do I enjoy Bitcoin? Do I I believe that it's the only one per se? Absolutely. But um, people want to dibble, dabble, and play. They gotta understand that a lot of these projects are just that. They're just projects. They're they're yeah. they're, they're they're just nothing. They're they're scams. Many of them. Some and of them they don't some- solve the problem created right. by money printing. I Correct. think that's the big fundamental. Like if you're chasing the paper. It'll like it's not it going to solve the fundamental it, problem exactly. Yeah, it will exactly. Sorry, that was so powerful what you just said. Thank you for 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 adding that. Uh, if you're chasing the paper, uh, these 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 other things they're not going to solve the problem, and it comes from a lack of understanding of the properties of Bitcoin in relation, aligning yeah. or correlating to these other things. You know, um, it, it's going to exacerbate the problems. You know, these things are going to cause people to dibble dabble. And cause people to gamble just to create more fiat, just so they can get more fiat. They're not going to get the education. It's not going to lower their time preference, okay? Yeah. Because it's going to be out there gambling more and more. So I think it's helping some communities and not helping other communities. And those communities are, are the, the historically disadvantaged ones. Which I think um, if education would, would would be able to hedge against that and and, and pull people up out of that, um, yeah. that's why Bitcoin is seen is seen as such a threat to the current. <clears throat> pardon me. <clears throat> pardon me. That's why Bitcoin is seen as such a, a threat to the current economy. And that's why we have these. Uh, I'm not going to get too much on a rant on this, but these legislators, these people in power, what they do is they like I mentioned before, they have to protect the interests of the nation. And, you know, they're going to be tied to their party and their party agendas. Um, they're going to be tied to their costume party. I like to put it. <laughs> yeah. They're not really they're not tied to anything other than that. Deep down inside, they own a ton of Bitcoin. You know, they, they understand this thing very well, but they're tied Isn't to Isn't that the truth, though? Like, I believe it. I, I'm persuaded that so many of them are, have, like, 
tons. They're of hodling. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, come yeah. on. These are rich folks. They know what time it is. There's yeah. a reason why these major corporations, some of them that they're being lobbied by, there's a reason why they've got a ton of Bitcoin, Bitcoin on their balance sheet. There's a reason yeah. for that. So, yep. you know, transitioning to what my organization has done, what's this, the, the response been? It, I think it's been wonderful. The work that we've been doing, we've been partnering with uh, universities to the likes of University of Michigan, the University of Kansas, nice. North, Carolina, uh, North, North Carolina State University. Um, we just employed uh, three um, interns, uh, one from Brown University, one from uh, Michigan State University, and one from another that is escaping me right now. Um, they have been helping us build out interactive maps. Um, uh, and, and, and we do this by design also, so that we tap into the scholars the, uh, the young minds who um, are really aware and hypersensitive to things that, are, that have the energy and have the focus to do this work and have the bandwidth to go out there and do amazing things. Some of the, 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 the not only the professors and the scholars, but the, the students as well have been tremendous that we've been working with. Um, and, and the work shows for itself. And so we've been very fortunate um, to have got, got gotten uh, a lot done, I would say, and I'm not just saying that just because I'm, I'm a co-founder of this organization, but I think we've done, we've gained a lot of traction. There's been a lot, um, people are, they say when people copy you or copycat you, that's one of the best compliments. We're seeing a yeah. lot of that um, with our work that's going out there. Um, so it, I think the response in, from the work that we've been doing ha has been has been very good. We're gaining traction. Um, we're working currently right now with the National Bankers Association, building out this. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, uh, we're, we're building out uh, this millennial um, uh, kind of um, task group, if you will. Yeah. I don't want to speak too much about it because it's 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 in the works. Um, but yeah, we're we're doing a lot of things that's going to have a lot of positive impact. So um, yeah, I'm we're, I'm very excited about what's going on. The response has been very well. And there's a lot of people out there who came out during the 2016 bank black movement that kind of like Killer Mike, who's a big uh, entertainer yeah. and yeah, activist. Yeah. He was kind run of the jewels. Uno yeah. Right. Run the jewels. Kind of like the he was like kind of like the unofficial officials kind of like uh, spokesperson for this movement. Um, but yet um, a lot of these organizations have fallen off. They want to do the, the, the good work, but yet maybe they didn't have the cohesive or, or, or for it, but um, we've been moving along steadily. We've got some very dedicated co-founders who are just hyper beam, laser beam focused on, on what we're trying to do. And um, yeah, we're all on there. You can check us out uh, on our website and in other places. And, and, and we're just going hard inside of, you nice. know, uh, we're trying to do the work and it's been, it's been amazing to connect with people like yourself who are also doing great things and, and, and trying to get people to open their eyes but who also understand. Yeah. Um, I think when we were building some rapport, uh, you know, there were some lived experiences that yeah, you can yeah, yeah. In, in your professional work. Like, uh, you know, there are dynamic things that happen to you as a woman that looks like you yeah. uh, have to go through. And it, it's not, uh, I would say, isolated incidents. These things. I, totally. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you feel it. And so I just wanted to recognize that and appreciate you. Um, because um, I think it's necessary and uh, it's a labor of love. Uh, it can be exhausting at times. Sometimes you got to unplug. Um, yeah. But I just wanted to recognize you, but also encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. I certainly appreciate it. And people are noticing. 
Uh, oh, cheers. Thank you. <laughs> Thank sure. you. It's, um, yeah, while we were building a rapport, I think I told you that um, the last time I was in the US in Chicago, I was in, I guess it's like a, like a high end neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And I was in a store and um, one of the people working in the store, a woman just started following me around. <laughs> and I was like, is it like, is this real? Mm -hmm. You know, because I, I mean, I touch wood where I live here. Um, I've been here for some time. So I guess people recognize me or they just don't bother. But right. I was literally followed around the store and I was like, do you think I'm going to steal something? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, and why would you make that assumption? Like yeah. what about me says that I could be in a position or I would want to steal? Like it, it <clears throat> my experiences in the U S have always been met with some type of extreme, if I yes. can say that. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, as a woman who looks the way I do, I don't want to, I do not believe that I'm a victim and I'm saying this very openly. I'm a very privileged person. So I'm not trying to be like play the race card or try to be yeah. a victim or anything. It's important. It's important to say that because people are going to right away. Oh, there it is. The card, the race. Card. Yeah. Yeah. No, not at all. I'm, I'm very, very privileged. I'm very happy with my life. I'm blessed and highly favored to use uh, an American uh, expression, but it is true that sometimes I'm like, um, there could only be one reason why I'm I'm being treated this way or why I'm being perceived this way. Because if you have a conversation with me, you'll know right away that I'm here because I'm actually looking for something and I have no desire to steal. And by the way, if you want to have a conversation or like grab a cup of coffee, I'd be more than happy to like, you know, ask you questions, tell you about my backgrounds, like that I'm not that person. But but yeah, the America is a, a fascinating and polarizing place, I'd say. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, but a simple awareness, a simple mindfulness would be able to you, you'd be able to better um, analyze and you'd be better able and capable to understand why. And if you understand implicit biases, you yeah. understand why people have these perceptions because of the messaging that they've been onboarding their entire lives. Yeah, exactly. So these things are real. And, you know, many people are not going to want to hear this because they it's 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 very painful yeah. for people to to really come to grips with the fact that they've either been at an advantage or that yeah. they have um you know they have been treating people a certain way unconsciously it's very painful for people to come to these a realization yeah. but um you know those of us who are in public service who work with other people who come from silos who come from non-diverse places non-inclusive yeah. spaces you see the behavior it's very polarizing when you work with people particularly in, in 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 my profession in my wife's profession um who's also she's also a, a civil servant and her co-workers the way how you treat people you know and again i've been blessed i've been very privileged um i've been very blessed to be raised the way i was raised in yeah. church um <laughs> to understand uh people and to have this kind of like uh soft approach to things but the realities kind of make you um have to be who you are and so yeah. again, I'm, I'm very privileged to parent a uh, 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 household, grew up playing music in the church and instruments and, and singing in choirs and, and doing oh, so. you sing as well? Because I don't want to get into that, you know. Like, yeah, can we, can <laughs> I just say, like, um, I think your wife is a very fortunate person because you I, you present very nicely, you're involved, yeah, you know, you are. You, you got to scratch the surface, though. I'm not, I'm not here trying to... <laughs> 
Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'm, I apologize if it's inappropriate. No, no, that's not, not inappropriate. You know, listen, we 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 can. It's it's okay to to recognize a, a what is and and speak to it. And so uh, it's perfectly it's perfectly fine. You know, I'm I'm not at all trying to present myself in any way. I, I just like to give context, you know, to your listeners, yeah. so yeah. that they, they, that they understand that sometimes as we go down this route you know, this road, you know, we're talking about implicit biases, you know, we're talking about uh, lived experiences, we're talking about anecdotes, you know, I don't let people, um, and I'm sure you could relate, I don't let people tokenize me. I don't let people yeah. say, oh, John, you know, oh, you did it, you passed the test, you got here where you yeah. did. should be able to do it too. You worked hard. That's like yeah. the dog whistle. Oh, you worked hard, you know, you could do it, you know, but I came from a certain background with a certain family structure um, that allowed me uh, to be where I'm at now, down the street, a couple of houses down, some of my buddies that I grew up with, different situation. They went home to single parent house, uh, yeah. alcohol abuse, uh, drug abuse, yep. sex abuse. Uh, they go home to an empty house. They're taking care of their younger brothers and sisters. Yeah. So that's a very different life with very uh, subsequently different outcomes. And yep. so um, how do we change this? Um, you know, well, get married, stop having so many kids, do no. How about we allow people to be economically included? Everything I've come to find comes down yeah. to economics. Everything comes down to economics and access and, and, yeah. and inclusivity. And we have to admit that uh, the legacy effects of, of what we have done here uh, in, in, in the Western world and some other parts of the globe has had the effects, the undesirable effects that we say that we want to remove. But yet we're not willing to deal with these pasts. You know, Brian Stevenson was the um, yeah. head of a, I'm, I'm not going to go uh, too long winded here. Brian Stevenson is the head of an organization called the Equal Justice Initiative. And he talks about um, uh, committing to a process of truth and reconciliation. And he yeah. talks about going to Germany and, and seeing the, uh, the, the effects or the monuments paid to the ho yeah. uh, Holocaust. And it's very prevalent. He talks about going to uh, South Africa and seeing the tributes and, and yeah. the tributes to uh, apartheid and what that's and like. And the Mandela Museum. I, I visited that. Yeah. 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 So it, it's important to recognize that. But but also he then he turns to the U.S. And yet we don't have a recognition or any tributes being paid publicly to acknowledge the legacy effects of the terror lynching and the terrorism inflicted mm -hmm. upon the Africans and the descendants of slaves and the people. What are that? And then these structures after the slavery, after the segregation, after the Jim Crow. We're not talking 100 years ago. We're talking 50 years ago. Okay, yes. people just got, got the right to vote here in the U.S. Um, some within, within my parents' lifetime. So what are we really talking about? So we have yeah. to be able to put this all in context help people understand, have these courageous conversations that me and you are having. And I'm, again, thankful for you being uh, courageous enough to, to provide the space and the form to, to have these conversations because people just don't want to have them. So um, I think, I think uh, it's necessary. So um, do you think um, this is, um, this is a question that comes up from time to time. Do you think that Bitcoin provides kind of a safety net to have these conversations in that, it is a type of exit from the current system, the current hierarchy that allowed some of these atrocities to occur. Yes, that is, uh, you frame that very well. So do I provide, I'll speak to, does it provide an exit? Uh, I would say yes and no. Here's the reason why. Yeah. Uh, what you were before your discovery of Bitcoin, you're going to yeah. be after. Um, you're just going to use it as a tool to promote 
in most instances, what you were already into. And I say that because oh, wow. I've, uh, I've had some conversations with some people who are about freedom, freedom, freedom. An, an uneducated mind, Bitcoin is not going to come in and all of a sudden say, oh, this open monetary system is going to empower people who have been left out. It's not going to do that. It's gonna, mm. it's gonna further, it's gonna further exacerbate people. From what I've seen, okay, it's gonna further exacerbate people's uh, very twisted um, ignorance to say that uh, now there's a perfect outlet. So someone who has been ignorant, not known the history, not known the legacy, they're gonna come up with Bitcoin and say, "Here, look, now here's Bitcoin. It's a fix-all. It's not a fix-all." Yeah. Um, but yet it does provide an opportunity. Bitcoin does provide an opportunity for people to enter in, but the education piece has to be there. The understanding yeah. that the, the the legacy that has come up to that point uh, where Bitcoin was invented that, uh, or, or, or come to be, um, you get if you throw a million dollars into someone's hands that doesn't have the education to do right by that uh, money to be a good steward of it, that person is not going to take that may or may not. I don't know. They may not take that million dollars and turn it into two million or three million or an empire for generational wealth. I mean, the proof is there. Many athletes, pro athletes, many entertainers, they get this money and they don't they wind up more broke than they were before they came into the money. Yeah. So, yes. So yeah. Bitcoin, Bitcoin, uh, uh, is it an escape? Uh, it could be. I think it provides an on ramp into something very dynamic and very empowering. But at the same time, uh, Bitcoin is not doing anything for the for, for the white supremacist bigot uh, who has been this way and has not been educated uh, it doesn't, for me, from what I've seen, it hasn't done anything for that individual, um, except in, uh, look to empower them even more and put more blame on the folks who um, are in very much economic contrast uh, position-wise to what they are. So wow. uh, hopefully that, that, that gave, uh, that was a, you know, a good answer to your question. Um, but I thought it was a necessary question because um, many people argue, oh, Bitcoin is the answer. It solves the problems of the world. And yeah. You know, I push back against that sentiment. It, yep. it, it doesn't solve the problems of the world. Recognition, reconciliation solves the problem. And, yeah. and reconciliation to you looks different uh, to someone who hasn't had yeah. anything. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm striving to have conversations with activists, um, incumbent le uh, 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 legislators, candidates running for public office, regulators and, pol and policymakers alike. I'm looking to have conversations with students, uh, all these different groups so that we can help them understand because if you get a candidate who um, doesn't understand money, you support them, you support them, you support them, and then they get in the office, they're going to they're gonna maintain the status quo yeah. uh, unless you educate them. And a lot of them do not know much about money. And so we have, as voters, and Bitcoin yeah. is, is now a single issue voter, okay? You got many people in the space who are, who, who, are, who are making sure that Bitcoin does become a single issue voter. I have had myself uh, many conversations with uh, several different candidates uh, around the country running for a Congress, one of them, uh, Marcel Dixon. Big shout out to Marcel and his campaign uh, where he talks about reparations. Uh, big shout out to him. I've had conversations with uh, Reverend Wendy Hamilton. Uh, she's running against the 30 year incumbent uh, out of DC. Shout out to her. She's made Bitcoin part of her uh, um, oh, wow. uh, campaign. And so has uh, Marcel Dixon. He's made Bitcoin, both of them, which are accepting uh, donations in Bitcoin. Okay, uh, campaign do donations in Bitcoin. So they understand very well um, money, monetary policy. They understand how uh, uh, infrastructure uh, for um, Bitcoin mining can empower communities like Marcel's com uh, um, community, a rural part of, uh, he's running for Congress up against uh, Mr. Clyburn, 
the sixth congressional district down in South Carolina. And um, one of the poorest districts ever, yet Mr. Clyburn, a 30 year incumbent, um, I, I, his district is in, in dire straits. And, and, and Marcel is an educator, um, a teacher, um, and he knows about Bitcoin and, and, and what Bitcoin mining can do for his community, provide jobs, um, yeah. harness uh, uh, energy, uh, and, and, and really do well for his district. So there are candidates out there that I'm doing my best to have conversations with um, so that they can be educated and so that they can understand this wonderful technology. And I, again, uh, that speaks to your question earlier. I see tremendous traction with that uh, clubhouse conversations, Twitter spaces, conversations, and in-person yeah. conversations as well. Yeah. Um, and, and traction is gaining there. So I'm, I'm hopeful, uh, Saida. Uh, I think we're moving here. I think, I, yeah. I think we're moving. I think that I'm I'm still quite idealist. Um, part of the reason is that I'm not in the same environment as you, so I don't face the same type of person. Mm-hmm. Um, with respect to Bitcoin allowing um, a conversation about historic historical pasts, if you will, mm-hmm. um, and the other thing too is that <clears throat> I always think that people respond to incentives. We respond to economic incentives. And I mm. find that when the conversation is positioned that way, it's easier to talk about things that would make us feel uncomfortable when we know that like with um, within the Bitcoin network, the incentive structure is much different than we see today. And therefore it is probable that we will make different choices. excuse me, and our behavior will change because the incentive is different. And so like, I'm still in that phase of thinking, but perhaps I will change as I learn and grow and interact with more people. Yes, I I think you hit the nail on the head. How can we get people to change their behavior? I mean, that's what it comes down to. And the incentives are are different. People are motivated by incentives. uh, I talk about this a lot when I talk, even with the conferences that are going on, um, whether it be Miami or all the other kind of um, non-mainstream ones, if, if you will. Uh, what type of incentives uh, are being are, are are being put out there for people to understand what they need to understand to change their behavior? And I, I'm not a big proponent of of putting out uh, big celebrities or um, because y- you want people to change behavior based upon a, a principle, based upon um, understanding that they could better position themselves in life. And so there has to be a good foundation of education put in place so yeah. that people can um, adopt, if you will. And uh, I agree with you. I, I mean, I can't even talk more about that. You know, you know, people respond to incentives and what those incentives are will, 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 will determine outcomes, I think, in people changing their behavior. But yeah. Um, yeah, there, there, there's a reason why folks... Um, outside uh, uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving, sleeping outside on the street, (laughs) plastic nonsense, flat screen TVs and nonsense. There's a reason for that because they know that their money is not worth anything. Actually, let me rephrase that. I think subconsciously that something that I know that you've probably heard before, or maybe some of your listeners have heard before is that, you know, I work hard. I'm going to buy it while I can. That, That behavior is as a result of unsound money. It's yep. as a result of my money's not going to be worth anything. Let me hurry up and get something in this lifetime that is going to be mean something now, 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 now. That's a high time preference behavior. Whereas yep. if you had a good store of value, you'd wait. Yep. Okay. You, you, you would push back 
and, and, and you acquire things that are worth more over time. And that's what hard money is. Uh, that's what Bitcoin is hard to reproduce. Yeah. Um, so we got to get this education. You know, you know, I don't I prefer not to go too technical here because Bitcoin can be technical. We don't want to start talking about 21 million Bitcoin and all that, because but what we, I love talking about the other side, the, the behavior change, the the time preference. Um, you know, I love talking about that because once you make that very clear to someone as to why they do what they do because of money, yeah. um, it's really an eye-opening opportunity. And, and again, we understand the relationship. We, 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 we know we're very aware of the relationship that each of us have with money. And we understand the importance of giving people our financial base. I mean, we could talk about, there was, let me put it like this in this perspective and, and don't just verify. Okay, millions of acres of land have been given away in the West and the Midwest during the 1863, 65, around this time, millions of acres of land was, was given away to the European settler, the European uh, immigrant, millions of acres in the, in the West, in the Midwest, understanding that giving them an economic base will help them prosper. Yeah. But, to, but to the African, to the slave who had been here for 244 years, built this place for free, okay, nothing was given to them. Okay, to establish an economic base which they can build upon. And of course, I'm talking about 40 acres in the mule here. Um, I'm talking about all of this um, to give them an economic base to establish themselves to have this legacy. So we understand and we have the willingness to give, but we just didn't have the willingness to give to the people who have built the place. Yeah. So, so we understand the nation, uh, people, they understand what would help. And I, I give that context to understand fast forward now. We understand what's going to empower people. We understand what's going to change those behaviors that you just spoke to. We know yeah. it, but are we willing to do it? Are we willing to do it? And, and people who are running on uh, plenty of candidates who are running on, um, um, I know we don't like to hear this, 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 uh, these reparations um, uh, agendas and, uh, uh, you know, they understand that establishing people uh, an economic base is, can empower people. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll finish this thought out by saying this, what does reparations yeah. look like? It, it looks like equal opportunity to a loan to buy a house. And let me tell you, let me, let me be clear on this, very clear, because we have black people who are fighting Africans, descendants of slave freedmen, freedmen who are fighting for uh, candidates who, who, who identify as freedmen who, who want to establish reparations. But there are already plenty of reformative legislation and policies that are out there to assist other groups. I wanna be clear on that, crystal clear. Because oh, we want to wow. seem like, yeah, it, it's out there. Asians have it, okay? They have, they, they, they have it. It's out there. Don't trust verify. There are reformative legislations that help these groups uh, establish economic base due to their traumatic pasts and the historical events that have affected them. So don't, yeah. let's not, uh, reparations has been stigmatized to be for uh, whining Black folks who just think they deserve. And that's just not the case. Don't trust me. Verify this. Go look into all the reformation, uh, uh, reformative uh, legislations that are out there that help Asians, that help uh, 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 our, our Jewish neighbors. Go check it out. It's there. It's all there. Um, so even even I'll speak on this. Even Mr. Clyburn, uh, who Marcel Dixon is running against, uh, one of his first pieces of, of legislation was to help um, uh, uh, some group. I think it was uh, Native Americans, I believe. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, uh, don't quote me on that. But uh, he put out one of his first legislations when he came into office was to help um, some some native folks. 
So it, it's out there already. Um, but we're just, we're deathly afraid of giving yeah. the African uh, uh, some type of economic base. And that's what I'm talking about here. Wow, I'm learning so much. This is, um, I'm learning a lot. And like, I we're mean, just sitting it's and not- talking. This is, this is, it, it's, I, we're just chatting it up here. I, I love yeah. it. And it's not the beginning, like this story has been going on for a very long time. And I feel like it's, you know, probably not going to end anytime soon. No, I believe that, you know, um, you know, these, these very, I I love speaking to you, uh, Sida, because, you know, we're just talking about the facts here. And I think if if people cozy up to this and it becomes, people have more courageous conversations. um, I think people just get out of their echo chambers it's very easy to get into an echo chamber, talk about yeah. everything that's relative to you and, and your group yeah. and, and say, uh, this is what it is. And then if that group has some type of power um, to go out and then a quote unquote advocate for the entire community. I see that a lot in the spaces that I'm in, the community engagement and the civic engagement that I'm involved with, the volunteer groups that I'm part of, these very local um, uh, um, very local pieces of, of, of government, local government. You have people, exclusive groups, you know, a lot of gatekeeping and they get into these silos. They say, um, you know, they say they're advocating for the community, yet their methodologies in which they use to outreach to the community are are, are non-existent. So it's very easy for me and you to get into a room or a bunch of Bitcoiners, uh, maximalists, if you will, to get into a room and say this, that and the third. And if we have some power, then we could put out and communicate to the world that this is what it is. And, we, and we're advocating for the group. Uh, what group are you advocating for? What type of inclusive methodologies have you used to come to your conclusion? Did you reach out to the most affected people to, 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 to finger the pulse on them and then come together? See, it's, it's much more challenging. And I would, I, would, I would argue to say that it was much more beneficial to get a differences of opinions from different yeah. people, from different walks yeah. of life, okay? This, this republic that we live in here in the US, it's not a democracy. We use democratic ways to vote and do things, but this republic that we live in works best when we have contrasting viewpoints, not groupthink, okay? Yeah. Uh, not mob rule, okay? Uh, so it works better when we have contrasting viewpoints. People who um, may think differently, come from different walks, may want different things, but realize the singular goal is to have a, a place where people are safe. Everyone yeah. can be safe. How can we come? I may not like what you got going on over there, but I want your kids to be safe too. You know, how can we get to that? How can we recognize the humanity in somebody else? And why has that become such a bad thing for me to say, you deserve to be treated like a human as well. Uh, and yeah. I can advocate for you. It's like... It's um, it blows me away, but um, you know, we all got to dig in. We all got to yeah. recognize what's going on. We got to have these courageous conversations and, and dig deep. And um, I think we can get to a better place. I'm 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 hopeful. I'm very hopeful, Sana. Well, if you or anyone from your team want to return to have more courageous conversations, which for me I have to say are normal conversations, like really? <laughs> yeah, I need yeah, to hang totally. out with you more then. Yeah, it's um, like, um, I often get asked, I get asked so many questions, you know, but uh, like, you know, what you're doing is political. I don't see it as political. Um, I don't really think in a binary way. I'm, I haven't been, excuse me, I haven't been raised with the sort of left, right, um, 
dichotomy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm super pragmatic in general, um, and I'm very curious and I love speaking to people. So with those things together, I just ask questions, provide my opinion, provide some source data uh, whenever I can. And so for me, it's not an act of courage. It's an act of understanding a bit more. Yeah, yeah. And it also helps me to clear the biases that I may hold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you're aware. Awareness is, is key. And, and let me tell you, let me, let me somewhat try to embarrass you here a little bit. Um, <laughs> okay. Listen, uh, for, for some of your listeners who, 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 who do not know or not familiar with your podcast, uh, Saida is a phenomenal person, uh, very attractive, by the way. And she's done <laughs> a, a couple, a couple of, um, a couple of, um, a couple of podcasts. She did a wonderful one with her father. Um, and so she did another one. Uh, tell us about your, I think it was uh, Bitcoin panties. I think. Oh, it, it, pan yeah, yeah, yeah. With Pablo. With Pablo. Panties yeah. for Bitcoin. Yeah. Panties for uh, for Bitcoin. You need to definitely check that out because um, it, it's it's a, a really good. Um, not only is it great for the community, but I think it's it's great. I say all that to say that um, you would be great as a facilitator to these conversations, and I think you oh, should. thank you. you. You should take it to a next level. Um, because I think it's important because image is, is everything. Me and you, while building rapport, we spoke about others that are in the space that don't yeah. look like you who are influencing and becoming somewhat mainstream. And I think the diversity in the space, I think you'd be excellent for that, uh, for that because it, it, it certainly would bring um, the courageous conversations to the forefront that other people are not willing to have. And so you're particularly positioned very well to be in that space. And so you got to sometimes kick the door in and, and do it so yeah. if, you, if you're willing to do it have these courageous conversations put it out there uh yeah. check out uh Asida and check out her content because it's uh it's 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 not only is it, is it eyebrow raising it uh it's touching on things that people are not willing to do so she's unearthing some things that um, people just don't want to touch and i think that's going to uh, uh do wonders overall for adoption so uh thank you again for being unapologetic in your ways and and doing what you do because it's it's essential going forward. So let's dig in. Thank you for the invitation. I'm gonna hold you to that side. Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much, John. I'm blushing. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, before we close out, tell the listeners once again, where they can find you. Sure. Yeah. So again, you can find our work um, of the not-for-profit, the cowerieinitiative.org. Um, that's C-O-W-R-I-E initiative.org. And also Bank Black USA bankblackusa.org. You can find us, the websites there, all, all our socials. Um, myself, I'm on Twitter at Nagle Naj. That's my uh, John Logan spelled backwards. That's the best way for me to put it without spelling it. Um, so I'm on Twitter at my, at John Logan spelled backwards. All right, J-O-N-L-O-G-A-N. You could spell that backwards and you'd find me on Twitter. So that's, that's that. Hopefully they visit and uh, check out some of our work, dig deep. And they don't trust, they verify. Awesome. Thank you, John. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us in this episode. Please visit bankblackusa.org and thecowrieinitiative.org. That's C-O-W-R-I-E-I-N-I-T-I-A-T-I-V-E.org. Check out Jonathan on Twitter at Nagelnoch. That's N-A-G-O-L-N-O-J. And of course, if you have any questions or comments, 
send me an email at saida at fosterinclusion.com. That's S-A-I-D-A-H at F-O-S-T-E-R-I-N-C-L-U-S-I-O-N.com. Catch me on Twitter at Saida Gomez or at Foster Inclusion. And you can follow our Instagram account at Foster Inclusion. Bye.